0: Welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, the podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. My name is Brent Davis, and I'm the host of the podcast, and today I've got a Queenslander on the call. Paul Williamson has come in to have a chat with me. Thanks for coming in, Paul. Mate, thanks for
1: having me. It's fantastic, but I will warn you, I am still South Australian. I'm oh, sure good. I may be living up here. I may have been that... Still South Australian, still an LA Crows fan. Just thought I'd put
0: that out there. I don't know what's worse, Queensland and all South Australian. That's a bit of a concern now, isn't it? Oh, the Victorian in you is coming out, mate. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm technically from Aubrey, so I'm technically from ah. New, New South Wales as well.
1: Oh, so,
0: um, but I've been down here a fair, <laughs> fair, fair time now, so it's all good. So, Mate, I appreciate you coming in and having a chat. Um, you've got some really cool things going on in your your coaching world, which I certainly want to get to as we go along. But you've been in this game for a fairly long time, um, 25 years plus, I'm, I'm assuming you've been out, out there mm-hmm. doing it. Um, tell me about the, your, your start in the golf industry. Was it always coaching that, that was your um, goal when you first started out or were you a player when you first started? Or talk me through the start.
1: So, yeah, no, I um... – if I go way back, I'll do it real quick. I was fourteen is when I kind of came across golf. My dad had always played it, but yeah, just maybe once every six months he might tee it up really early in the morning. And I thought that was where's Dad going? It's not even light yet, you know. And he'd go for play a game of golf, and he dragged me along a couple of times. I'd do a little bit of par three and stuff here or there in holidays. But I wanted to be a soccer professional. Like okay. I dead set wanted to play for Manchester United, and while I was all right. It was a lot of politics in sport and particularly in soccer in Australia. And I played a fair bit of golf when I started at 14. A mate of mine moved in up the road and he was playing golf. He said, why don't you come and play with me? So said, no worries, let's have a go. And I was a bit of a sportsman, so I tried that and I enjoyed it and had some fun. And then we got a bit more serious about it all. And then um, I probably played and got down to, a, you know, like a single-figure handicap within 12 months and had some lessons with my coach, Chris Holiday, Highcombe high-cone golf course. You know, it's the local pro at the local course where I started, and that improved me out of sight really fast. And then I found out that you could actually make a living out of playing golf probably two years later when I was about 16. I started talking with Chris a bit about that, and I thought, geez, that sounds all right. And the beauty of golf being the individual sport that it is, no politics. You shoot the score, you're in the tournament. You shoot the score again, you're in the next tournament. You know, like there was no one deciding where you go. So I wanted to be a player, really, to answer that question I, right from where I go. And then had a bunch of guys, um, a few of which had become PJ members as well um, that, from the juniors that we had. And we all went through, you know, followed Aaron Golf careers. A lot of them were very good amateurs and things. And then um, I started my traineeship as soon as I possibly could. Um, I was pretty much. Uh, failing year 11, I would say, just because I didn't care about it. It wasn't because I couldn't do it. It just didn't care. I was too busy playing golf and soccer. It was great. And then uh, Chris told me, he said, you realise you have to pass year 12 to start a traineeship? (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Oh, all right. So anyway, I knuckled down and got that done. And so golf was a little bit on pause. I still maintained it. But um, I basically just got in my handicap enough to qualify to be able to apply for the PGA traineeship. And I started that in basically the, the end of the summer um, after I finished high school and started at Flagstaff Golf Club where uh, John Barry took me on as a trainee. And then back then, that's 90, end of 95, early 96, PGA traineeship was still a very genuine way of you becoming a tour player and but having a backup, you know. So I still want to be a player. But my mum and dad were like, we need something to back it up a bit. And and I agreed with it and thought, right, So I did that. And that's where I got introduced to probably a lot of coaches in there. Um, Alex Mercy used to come down from New South Wales and coach the pennant team and saw what he was doing. And all these guys helped me out. My boss helped me out. It was Nick McCormack in South Australia, another good coach who, who helped me out with my golf game at various times as well. and And then I worked my way through and, I basically decided I wanted to go out and play not long after I finished my training, maybe one year after that. I decided I want to go and play, so I went off and, and did that and um, came back and loved it but had all sorts of personal issues, i.e. my wife left me because she wasn't all that keen on um, oh, okay. actually being married to a golf pro who was steering around now as opposed to the one that he saw before. But that, that wasn't a bad thing. We are pretty young and probably didn't know any better. But then I, 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 came back and I worked for a little while while I got through that and worked over. And then one day I thought, right, let's give this playing a real red hot crack. So I went up and thought, right, closest thing, Queensland Tropo tour. So I went and played that. Um, you know, nine months later, I'd played everywhere in Queensland from Mount Isa to Cairns all the way down and everywhere in between and had maxed out my credit card and pretty much had no money left and thought, right, and then managed to win the casino pro am. Shot a course record. It was the most unbelievable game of golf I'd ever had at that point because I hadn't shown any kind of form like that whatsoever. That got me enough money to actually get home and um, went back. and Anyway, the the, sh- the long st- short story there is I basically just played on that tour and on pro-am tours and the secondary tour in Australia for years. Never really got good enough to get to that full tour, to go overseas and do that kind of stuff. Well, I could win a pro-am. I was the hare as opposed to the tortoise that you need to be to win the four-round tournament. And when I look back on that, that's a big regret that I didn't – I felt like I had to play perfect golf all the time to, to win tournaments and things. Um, so I never really kicked off like that. But, you know, I could play the game and won 20-odd Pro-Ams around the place and 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 paid my way. But as you know, there's not much money at that level. That's like second and third-tier level golf in Australia, which is not the biggest tour in the world in the first place. True. Okay. So – I had to find ways to make an income on the side, and this is where coaching started to kick in. So you're playing pro-am golf, and this is probably how I'm different as a coach now as well, came from this. You're playing with three amateurs um, regularly all the time. I proudly say I've probably played more golf with amateurs as a pro than just about any pro on the face of the planet. (laughs) I've played 15 years' worth playing pro-ams. So one of the things with that, early on when I was very young, um, my ex-wife called me out one day when I was just spitting the dummy like a twenty-one-year-old or a twenty-year-old would do, because I had to play with these thirty-six handicappers. And you know, the guy in the pro shop had told him I was going to teach him how to play golf that day because they were the major sponsors, kind of guests or whatever. And they don't play golf, and here I am trying to make a living. And I was getting really angry one day, and then she pulled me up after I was like, "She's going, you do you have any idea how much these guys have paid to play money with you today?" And I, no, she said they paid two hundred bucks each, and this is back in the in the nineties, which is <laughs> it's a lot of money to yeah. play and pro in then. I went, really? She said, yeah, like it it hadn't entered my mind. I was so obsessed with myself what I was doing, and then she goes, yeah, just think about that for a sec, because she could see how much of a prat I was being out there, and I wasn't really talking to him. I was in my own world. And I went up and I introduced myself to them again. This is after nine hours and said, hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your coach for the rest of today (laughs) because my my game was already stuffed. And I said, I'm just here to, you know, show you guys a a good time. Ask me any questions you like. One of the things that happened then was when I started paying attention to the other players in my group, I realized that um, the kind of coaching that I'd been taught how to do, you know, oh, your grip's not right. You can't get that backswing plane there. You need this, you know. The swing technique advice is not going to cut it in the middle of a game of golf that these guys are really excited about. They want to play well in. They've been preparing for it. And I can't change someone's grip in the middle of the back nine. It's just going to destroy them. And that's what ended up happening because that's all I knew. And so I had to learn very quickly that that's just not the way I could help someone over four hours, five hours on a day and send them away knowing they'll be a better golfer. They'll be worse. they probably never want to go near a golf pro again, given what I was doing at the time. So I had to learn very quick, how can I help these guys? And then it started to dawn on me that none of them know how to, you know, as I was going through, they don't really know how to make decisions well. Why are they aiming there? Do they know they're aiming over down the right-hand side and into the trees um, every single time they line up, you know? And why are they picking this club to, you know, the, the, the golf IQ of your average golfer was just – not very high. The strategy, the self-management wasn't very high at all. But what I realised was that's something I can change really quickly for someone. Like basically one of the most simple things that I've probably heard from most tour players, and I definitely vouch for this, is if there was one number one piece of advice I'd ever give to any amateur at all who was shooting above probably 75 or 80 is whatever club you think it is, take another one because you're not hitting it as far as you think. They just don't know how far they go. They're thinking that the ball runs... I hit it 150, but it ran 15 to 20 to get to there. So it was just something like that. I could say to someone straight away, what are you hitting here? Nine iron. Hit the eight on I can see what happens. And I knew that that kind of stuff could change someone's scores really well, even though they didn't, maybe didn't hit it great and the swing was still the same, could change the scores. So I did a bunch of that for a long time. And then on the back of that, I was lucky enough to be – offered a corporate coaching role with Holden Young Lions, which was a big program uh, yep. back in the day. So I did a lot of that for about 10 years, and that supplemented my income on the pro-am circuit so I could go around and I would organise golf days for the dealer principals at a local Holden dealer and invite three of the best clients or customers or staff or whatever it was to come along and do a golf day and I'd coach them. And it was a great added value that they that Holden were giving to the dealers. And so I did a ton of that as well. So once again, that's I'm only going to see these people once, one day. I'm never going to see them again. How can I help them? So that's probably what's shaped me as a golf coach and what I've realized now probably in the last, well, I've been coaching full-time pretty much now for about seven years, eight years. Um, after I dropped off the tour and had had enough of that, I got a couple of kids and wanted to a bit more secure income, spend more time at home. Um, I've now realized that my niche, my specialty is not you know, track man data. It's not you know, TPI screening, it's like while I've got awareness and all that and have studied a lot of it, that's not my specialty. What's my specialty? Let's get on the golf course. Let's see what's really going on every single part of your game and let me see if I can give you some low-hanging fruit that you can get better with straight away, like tomorrow, next hole, next shot. And it doesn't take a ton of extra practice and time and dedication to go and change motor skill patterns, which takes time. Yeah, you know, so while there's a time and a place for that, I realized that hey, look, probably nine out of ten golfers don't have that time. So that's what I'm focusing on now is I'm I'm really hugely into beginners, getting them into the game in a non-intimidating way. Um and then helping people who are stuck, you know, trying to break 90, trying to break a hundred, trying to just maybe break eighty and but they can only play one game a week. They've got a family. They're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Their four hours they've got on a Saturday to go and play golf is the only time they've got. How can I help them maximise that time to just enjoy the game more? And so that's my huge focus on on my coaching now is to help people like that to to get into it. And I guess that's how I came across it. I took me quite a while to to realise what my specialty was because I see these fantastic coaches, you know, Richard Woodhouse, Terry Pilka-Darris is another one who I've, I've been watching a lot of and guys overseas, you know, you see all of them and so many of them are so amazing at, um, and dedicated their lives to understanding the golf swing and body movement and the whole lot. And I'm going, I, I haven't had that experience. But then I've, I've slowly realised with a bit of guidance from some mentors to say, that's not what your thing is anyway. You should be sending people who want that to them. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. What's my specialty? Man, you've played more golf with amateurs than I've ever seen, one of my mentors said. He said, that's your specialty, helping people on the golf course have a great time and have a good day and actually improve the game, enjoy the game more. He said, that's like eight out of ten golfers. And so that's what I'm really focusing on is trying to help your average punters out there to realise that going and seeing a golf pro, going and getting some coaching doesn't have to be something that you get makes your game worse straight away. You know, you can actually score better, and yes, we can work on the skills which might deteriorate a little bit before they really improve a lot, but that doesn't have to be the first thing because I think I've found so many golfers out there are afraid of golf coaches now because they might have gone for one lesson, and, you know, they told the coach, they told the lesson giver that they needed to be working on their their grip and their driver and, you know, a bit of the servant mentality that a lot of us have had over the years, and I know I definitely did, of, we're serving that member in front of us, we better do what they ask us to do as opposed to a coaching mindset of, no, no, that's not what you need. You need this. And if you don't like hearing it, okay, great. But that's actually what you need. And if you want to come and work on this, well, well, I'll do that with you. And so for me, that's a big part of my catchphrases is your golf swing is nowhere near the biggest problem in your golf game, (laughs) right? It's not even close. Like it's a part of it, but it's definitely not the most important part. So I guess that's probably how... I've come around to where I am now is that I just saw so many of the average golfers out there struggling in the game, hating the game, going out of the game and wanting to change that and and seeing if I could help with that. So that's
0: how's
1: that for an answer, Brent?
0: Like it's, it's it's perfect, mate. It's perfect. It's an interesting concept that you've come at it from that playing perspective. You've come at it from I'm on the course, I've got to give this guy a tip that's going to show... Uh, a straight improvement straight away, get this guy hitting a better scoring straight away as opposed to that long-term fix that you might spend with the client you're seeing every week for 12 months. Um, so it's it's a it's a pretty cool concept that that's shaped the way that you you coach now personally. Is that the coaching that you, you got when you were a kid or is that something you just come across just by doing it out there on the pro-am circuit?
1: Yeah, no, it really wasn't. Um... You know, I and probably some of the regrets I've got, I, and I've probably had about six, seven different coaches in my playing career. And like I say to all my clients as well, I said, I haven't got all your answers. Like if there's something specific I see one of my clients needs help with and I'm not the expert in it, I'm going to go and send them to another coach or a TPI expert or a physio or whatever that might be, psychologist, you know. Um, but it definitely came from my playing career because I guess – to me, all the, all the pros of around that nineties time and around that time, that's what they all got taught. They got taught to, this is how you fix someone's golf game. And that's literally the word they use to the fix their swing. There's something wrong with your swing. There's, um, you know, it needs to be fixed. So basically it'll be sitting there saying, you know, we get change your grip. You have to change your setup. It has to be like this. It's got to be like that. It's got to be like that. There's rights and wrongs and all this kind of stuff. And, And I went through all that as a player and and tried to do all that. And, you know, when you're as dedicated as as you are, as you need to be to be a golf pro or want to be a golf pro, you've got time, you've got effort, you put in all that work. But the problem with what I saw was something that's always annoyed me was that, you know, like nine, I think I saw a statistic that might have been the US PGA, might have been the Australian PGA, shared it, nine out of 10 people that play the game of golf never get any formal professional coaching ever in their whole careers, and they're getting advice from every Joe blog under the sun, but they're afraid to go and see a golf pro, like someone who spent their entire life working on trying to help people play better golf, they're not afraid to go and see him, and that bugged me a lot, you know, and I guess I can see why, and I'm not kidding anyone. I was definitely that golf coach. I look at a lot of lessons. I call them lessons as opposed to coaching. One-off, one-hour, working on the driver because that's what the person in, told, in front of me told me is their biggest problem. I've never seen them on the golf course. Um, they'd come to you and say, right, we on the driver. So you look at it and you go, okay, well, that's that's not the standard grip. They're pretty strong or this way. And you go, okay, well, we better bring that in. Now they can't hit anything because they, they just might, you know. Oh, but you've got to go away and work in that. And you'd send them away to go and work on it. And they don't do anything. They play golf the next day and it's – so what I – probably found was that me and possibly the industry itself were not listening well enough this is not the problem that this person really truly has and uh, to me that's more i've got to make them aware of what the actual problem is and so for me that's let's get on the golf course and see what's going on let's see everything i want to see the way you prepare for the shots i want to see what you do as you set up, I want to see, yes, what your swing looks like when you hit it, but I also want to see how you react to that and then I want to see what you do in between times and then I want to see what you do after the round and what you're doing before. I want to see all of that. And now I can get a holistic picture of where you're at and go, okay, now I know exactly where we're starting from. There's a there's a great analogy that another coach, Carl Morris, an English bloke who, yeah, very good um, mental coach, the mind factor, I learned from him a lot. And one of the things he said is that it really struck a chord with me. He put out a, I think it was a CD maybe or a podcast that said, um, why golf coaching? No, why goal setting doesn't work? And I went, Oh, here we go. It's every man under the sun will tell you how important goal setting is. Like that's all I'd ever heard from any coach, psychologist or anything at that point it was, you know, you got to set goals and you got to work towards them. Here's a guy going, this is why it doesn't work. I'm like, this will be interesting. So I go and listen to it and I go, he said, everyone sets goals and we all do it. Um, but the biggest thing that's missing is the nobody spends enough time working out exactly where they're starting from before they make these plans to try and get to the goal. And the analogy he used was a GPS system, like a navigation system. And I do this all the time with my clients now. I say to them, I say, all right, let's pretend, all right, Brent, we're, we're going to go to Udna data. I've got no idea how to get there. Right? We're going to jump in the car. First thing we do, what do we do? We put into the GPS, data. That's where we're going. It wants to know the destination, and then I ask us, "What's the next thing the GPS system does?" What would you say
0: to that? Well, it calculates the place that you currently are, and then it right. gives you. Yeah, what do you, you, r- you reckon?
1: Everyone tells me, right? They tell me. Oh, it tells you where to go. What it? On, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a few seconds. To work out, like you just said, Mike, this is where you're starting from. Yeah, it's triangulating to work out exactly where you're starting from, and it's not even good just being close because if you're 50 meters down the road from where it thinks you are, and it tells you to turn left where you needed to turn right, you're heading in the wrong path, right? So you need to be really clear on that, and so that's probably one of the greatest analogies I've had that I say, right? The first thing we're doing is you're not coming to me for a lesson on the driving range anymore. Right, Because all I get to see is you hit off a mat or just driver or just irons on a perfect lie, the same direction. There's something to be seen in that, but it's only a very small part. I said, how about let's go on the course, let's see everything. And now I know exactly where you are. I'm going to record all that. There's going to be some hard truths in there you're not going to want to hear. But this is how many shots you took inside 100 metres, right? And you told me your short game was good. This is telling me it's horrendous. You know, and so I would sit there and 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 now do that, and that's probably how I've ended up where I am. Is the thing that was really annoying me was people come into the range that I used to be at a few years back, and improve their swing, and improve their driver, and improve their irons, improve their putting at the range, and the scores don't change, and it was shitting me to this. Pardon my French. It was really. Annoying me. <laughs> cut that out after so. no, let's I mean, I was passionate. It was, like, it was really annoying me that these people are paying good money and it seemed like they were wasting their time and wasting my time and I should be giving them the money back because, I mean, they're not getting what they want really. And then the thing that flipped was when I could get them out on the golf course and I could see exactly what was going on and then create a plan, I could get these amazing results for them a hell of a lot faster with a lot less pain for them. They'd enjoy the game a lot more. And then we can say, yeah, maybe there is a bit of motor skill pattern change. We need to change it. We need to change this new setup. you got to get used to it. And that'll pay off long term for you and we can do that. But it comes from the trust that's built before that, um, that they will then go and commit to that once they've seen, wow, this this really does work. I'm, he's shown me that I could drop 10 shots in 10 weeks. Maybe if I trust him on this as well, I can do that. Um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of help to change that mindset. But I, I always knew – it was sitting in the back of my mind that I was just really annoyed and pissed off that people weren't getting the results that I thought they should be from changing goal swings and improving
0: that. And so that, that was bugging me. And yeah, no, probably that, what's led
1: me to where I am now.
0: That certainly makes sense. And it kind of brings me to if, if you've, if they've seen you speak or they've been across your, your socials at all, you talk about that on course assessment that you do with all your clients first up. So you, you kind of, covered most of that there. Is there anything specific that you actually do in there? Is this something you try? Like, is it a full game of golf or is it six holes, three holes, nine holes? Um, yeah. The actual process that you go through with each of those players.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because when you play 18 holes with people in pro ams for 15 years, um, I'm, it's I'm, like within the space of three holes I've worked out someone's entire golf game, no matter how good or bad they've actually hit it because you can just see what they're doing in between times, preparation for the shot, their actual setup routines, their reaction to the shots. You can see all that and you can very quickly see if they're having a lucky day or an unlucky day based on all of those routines and the patterns and the systems. And even if someone's never consciously thought about those routines, they have them. You know, we all play golf and if you play regularly with your mates, you know that exact time when you can start walking because you know the exact point they're about to start swinging the club. They may not even know that they've got those routines going, those habits going, but they're definitely there. And so what I do is I say to people, okay, Brent, you want to come to me for a one-hour lesson? Great, we're not doing that. You're going to come and join me for the same price again, come and join me on the golf course with three other people, and I'm going to be sitting there as an interested observer for the first three holes. And if you ask me a question, I'm only going to reply with another question to you. Like this is all about an assessment. I, I tell them the GPS analogy and say, I first need to know what you are currently doing. I'm not going to give you any new stuff or anything. I just want to see what the actual game's like. What are you doing? How are you reacting to things? So I'll ask you a bunch of questions because if I just watch you, there's certain things you're probably thinking about that I, I'm not exactly sure what's run through your head. So I'm going to ask, what were you thinking about there? Why'd you pick that club? You know, why are we going at that target? I'm, like, I'm going to ask you those questions and I just want you to answer them, but just play the game for three holes. And then luckily enough where I'm at at Emerald Lakes, um, after three holes, the first three don't have a hell of a lot of strategy and a lot of problems around. There's a bit of it, but not too much. It's a Graham Marsh-designed golf course, so it's a he, he does things to trick people and get them into trouble and stuff like that. But the fourth hole, things start kicking in big time. There's a hazard all the way down the right. There's another one on the left up near the green. You've got to carry a water hazard, but you don't have to. You know, like there's all these extra things going on. And that's when... I start putting a challenge to them to think about the game in a different way a lot of the time to say, so you've got someone who's shooting 95, right, or someone shooting, shooting over 100. is trying to hit greens in regulation, but they don't actually ever hit one, right? The stats on it will show they're lucky to hit one green in reg in a round of golf. So they're standing there trying to play the game of golf that they see the US tour guys play and everything they've seen, and they think that's the lowest to be played. And I'm just saying, well, Yeah, you've got like a two-shot handicap here. (laughs) It's a 400-and-something metre par five. So how many shots is it going to take you to think it, just get inside that 100-metre marker, knock it on the green and then two-putt? And they go, I could get down there in two or three shots pretty easy and knock it on the green, two-putt. Great, that's a six, right? And if you do that on every hole, just get inside that 100 and then down in three, you've made bogey on every single hole you'll ever play in your life. Now, that's 90 around this place, and they go, Oh, yeah. I said, all right, well, let's go. And then they pulled driver out, right? Whereas, the, you know, they could hit three sand wedges 100 metres down to the 100-metre marker, but they pulled driver out because well, they should do. So then I just let them go, right, <laughs> let them make them blast it in the tree and in the water and take a penalty and it's taken them four shots to get down here. I said, do you remember the game that we were trying to play? Like, just to hear, yeah, what was that all about? Oh, you know, that's... That's my problem. No, that's not your problem. You just picked a club. You absolutely should not have been hitting right there because you can't hit driver, and we've seen that in the first three holes. but now apparently you're going to pull off this miracle down here. Good luck. right? Yeah. So I, I kind of basically let them play this new game for like three holes. Let's just see if you can get inside the 100 marker in reg and then down in three after that. And then if I feel like they're doing it or they're not, the last three holes I'll start to almost caddy for them. And so basically I'll say to him, right, you don't get a choice in the club, the target, or the technique. That's me. I'm going to hand you the club, half swing, aim over there. What? Don't argue. Just do it. Just go. Like, so what I'm doing is applying a tour pro level reading and planning of shots and reacting to shots to their handicap level and their skill level. And in those last three holes almost every single time, these guys play an amazing last three holes without necessarily hitting it very good at all. I'll hit it pretty rough make the same bad swings and hit the same bad shots. I come out and I go, okay, so I've had a really good look at your game. In the space of three holes, I've worked that out. You can't putt, you know, you can't get on the green in one shot and you have a penalty shot off the tee every third hole. You now, this is why we're shooting 100 or 100-plus. 100 but the biggest thing is I can show them because as a – as a golf pro previously, as a teaching pro, as someone who's worked in the shop as a trainee, we're servants to the members, you know, like I'll go and get your spikes and change them and clean your clubs and grab that. And what time I turn off? Are you down here with such and such, you know? And that's exactly what you should be in that role. But as soon as you become the person who's meant to help them with their golf game, you do have to have a different hat on. It's got to be I'm coach now, you do as I say, not as what you think. I'm the expert here now. And so that's probably what I'm flipping around and trying to do. And the best way to do that is to have the guy come to you and say, oh, I just need to sort my driver out and I'll be right. And I get that. People come up and they oh, I want to get a lesson. Put no, no, I don't do that. You're on the course. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that sounds like pretty good value for money. I'll go and have a look. But I still want to work on driving. It's okay. It's still my problem. They're standing on the first tee. See, I told you my bloody driver was the problem when they took the driver on the whole nobody takes driver on. <laughs> nobody has got a brain right and they still think it's the driver and then all i've done is changed that decision making and process and thinking but then at the end of it i go okay yeah look we're looking at your score for nine holes here and yeah you've had 51 um and you've had 20 shots to get inside the 100 meter marker and then you've had 30 after that so that's like long game short game 30 short game shots you know 20 long game shots and yeah you had one penalty shot off the tee so yeah that really annoyed you really pissed you off you're very angry about that it's one shot where are we going to get 10 shots from me where are we going to break nine? it's not there it's here we'll get one off of that so congratulations now you're shooting 99 now we're going to talk about getting in 89 it's over here and the biggest thing with that is they don't argue with the numbers like i can sit there and say that's what you had wasn't it like yeah okay so do you still believe drive is your biggest problem and like Some people will still be so adamant. (laughs) But then the other thing with that is I also now know if you just want to go and work on drive and just work on golf swing, I'm in a fortunate ability to be able to say there's a ton of other golf instructors out there will go and do what you want to have done. I haven't got time for that anymore. I can definitely do it, but I just, I'm not interested in that. It doesn't, it doesn't get me up in the morning excited. I want the people to go, you know what? I really do want to break 90. Let's go. This is what it's going to look like. Set the plan. And like a GPS system, you know, five weeks into a 10-week program, that might – a big roadblock comes out of nowhere, like a lockdown or something like <laughs> we're getting at the moment. And you go, all right, we've got to pivot. Just like in a GPS system, you take a turn over here to try and avoid the roadblock and it gives you a new direction, but you'll still get to the same result. So I guess probably what I am now is I'm a results-based coach as opposed to an instructor. It's just telling people what to do. I'm – much about what's the result we're looking for, helping them to discover it themselves by creating learning environments. And then that's pretty much, I guess, what I, I really enjoy doing. And it's getting me great results for my clients, which is my biggest thing. I just love seeing happy people. It's great.
0: Which is cool. And just as you're talking through some of those stories, I just had flashbacks to my father's coaching sessions with me. He's um he's standing on a on a 420-meter power four. Two hundred meters out with his three wood in his hand with two shots on the hole and you're thinking you don't need to hit that club, Dad. You need to hit like a seven iron and a pitch and then a two putt for a five for three points and off you go to the next hole. But <laughs> and in his in, in his own words, but. That's not proper golf is what he tells me. Oh, yes. Jeez, how many times do you reckon I've heard that? (laughs) And I was was just curious about what type of – and you you touched on it briefly. What sort of feedback do you get when those people come for that lesson? Do you get those clients that insist on going to the range first or do you – you said you send those off to other coaches as a general rule, but do you get those guys that do that um, evaluation on course and then start to push and go, no, I actually want a technique lesson? Definitely, yeah, and there's definitely a place for that and
1: I, I can tell you straight away, like there was one gentleman who came and saw me um, for the on-course assessment. He signed up to my 10-shots lower in 10 weeks program and um, it's a guaranteed thing I do. He got 10 shots in two weeks. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, he's an outlier. Like that was crazy, but what was the thing? Well, we we went and did the initial playing assessment on the course. He flushes this, but like he's a 20, 22, 25 it from the top of him. Yeah, he was shooting way in the 90s, all right? And he flushes this t shot about 210 down the first fairway, no problems at all. Knocks like an eight 9 in the middle of the first green. So like, oh, really? look at this. Swing looks great. He's flushed and it's beautiful. And then he gets on the green. It was like watching Zorro putting with his sword. It was like, <laughs> whoa, jeez, I couldn't even look after the third hole. I'm like, crap, that's going to destroy my putting if I keep watching that. <laughs> so anyway, he went four part, four part four-putt the first three holes and three-putted pretty much everyone else and he thought his putting was going right the last three holes. He's still three-putting. So, um, right, here we go. Out of that, I, this is absolutely technical, all right? I said, come here. I'm going to put you on a playing board. Just go and do this for like every five seconds you have spare for the rest of your time and see what happens. And he, and he went away and, and he did it to his credit. He just – he had it set up at his work and every, you know, break he had, he just stood there. He was on the phone having a coffee, just – doing the putting, you know, drill I gave him. And two weeks later, all of a sudden, basically what happened was he reduced his number of putts from like, uh, what was it? he was having 40 plus putts around down to 33. Yeah, And so that's how he dropped 10 shots and it just stayed like that. So there is a technique thing there and I will go and do that. But the number one thing is you bet, I'm not doing that until I've seen you on the course. And I've identified that it is actually a, a major technique thing that we need to work on. Which completely makes sense. Yeah, it does. I don't – yeah, because like what I would do then is I need to listen to that person better, right, because chances are now my filters, my questions beforehand are strong enough to find that person out before they even come along. And if that's all they want to do, I kind of tend to call them range rats a little bit. If you just want to work on your golf swing and hit the ball better at the range – That used to really bother me. Now it doesn't. So I get that. That's, there's an enjoyment in that. That's your life. That's great. Don't expect your scores to change much, but you know, like that's okay. If that's your choice, I'm all right with that now. But, um, if I can quite clearly see that that's not what that person truly needs, I feel like that that's my duty as, as my client, you know, and I call them clients now instead of customers. Because a customer, it's a transactional commodity type based arrangement. Whereas a client, you're in the custody of someone who's looking after you in whatever way, shape they can. So that's my what I call my. They're all my clients now. I'm going to tell you what I truly believe to be the truth for your golf game. Now, if you don't want to hear that and you don't want to do that, that's fine. Maybe I'm not the right person for you, and I don't want to waste your time anymore. Like you go and see those others. If I haven't identified that upfront. And they come out on the course and they do that. And I still do have the odd one there. I don't pick that. And maybe that's what they still think the belief is and what they've got to go and work on. And there's been one or two where I've done that. And there has also been one or two people recently that I do still do that because they are so adamant, but that I can show them how quickly they can change their ball striking quality and build the skill and go, great, this is only one small part of your golf game. What about your putting? Because I know you're shooting a hundred plus. I've just watched you hit the ball like someone who's shooting 75. You know, and and whether they take my word on that or not, say, if you want to see me for the next one, we've just, we've sorted this part out, lovely in this session. Next time you see me is on course, no compromises. Like if they're that adamant that they still think that was the secret to begin with, I go with it. Okay, there we go. Tell me, how'd your scores go the last two weeks? Did it change? No, not at all. Okay. You want to come and see me again on the course. We're going to see what's really going on. So I guess it, it helps me to build the relationship a little bit more to begin with, but I will only really do that if it's a referral from a current client and it's like it might be the husband or wife or something and say, ah, oh, you're going to go and see and they really just want that. And I'm like, okay. I'll probably know that they already know what I'm really about because they've heard it from that client, you know, the referral. And then... I know that I can do that, and and pretty much every one of those lessons I've done like that in the last probably twelve months has then gone on to a playing lesson and gone, wow, that really isn't my problem, is it? It's like that's just, it's all this and this, and the good news is three of these things you can do straight away the next game of golf you play: just better target selection, add one more club, avoid the penalty shot at all costs. You know, so I guess yeah, there's it's it's I guess it's like the industry itself as, as coaches as pga members um that's been we've had that servant mentality for over a 100 years because i mean i remember what the original pga members were like when we started this association they were literally not allowed in the clubhouse they're down there cleaning clubs shoes no privileges whatsoever but then when i look at those guys as well they didn't have driving ranges they didn't have video they didn't have any of that what they do play golf with the members and that's how they taught them to play better golf, and that's what members would pay for. So I'm trying to get back to that to
0: a degree. Yeah, um,
1: but with all the other
0: advantages of modern day, I'm curious though. And obviously, it is changing. I think there certainly is more coaches yeah. doing doing or doing now and doing on more on on course type coaching. And you started out. How much did it cost you with regards to clients? So that person turned up and said, I want that traditional golf lesson, but you said, no, you have to do this, and they said, no, screw you, I'll go somewhere else. So if someone's just starting out and they're trying to break out of that traditional private golf lesson, half-hour technique-based lesson Mm and wants to do what you're doing, how do they deal with that? those guys that say, no, I'm going somewhere else? And did it cost you heaps of cash when you first started out? Yep. Okay. (laughs)
1: I'm not going to kid you. Yeah, because I, the thing with it is it becomes your own beliefs, my own, you know, as a, as a coach, what do I truly believe is the best thing for this person? And if I sat there and, and honestly looked at someone and thought, right, I want them to be my client, someone I'm going to look after and I'm going to tell them the truth as I see it and they can take it or leave it. Um, there was definitely people like, no, no, I just want that lesson. And now when I first started doing that, that money would have been great, would have been really good, been very handy. But I was at a pain point for myself where it's, no, I've had enough of that. I'm not interested in long-term coaching people because, like I said to you, I was at this driving range and it was just pissing me off. It just really, really annoyed me. I was putting in this work and effort and time. People were paying me really good money and spending their time with me and not getting the results I really think they should have been. And so – I guess it was either feel the, like I, one of my mentors, Will Robins, but great thing the other days talking about it's just the pain equation. Do you want to go through the pain now? or are you going to want to go through it later? The pain will always be there. Just pick one you want to deal with it. And I went, right, let's do it now. I want to, I want to, let's get it over and done with. So yeah, short term missing out on, yeah, probably thousands of dollars, but I can honestly say now. And I do this regularly to some of the coaches I mentor and say, if you can stick to your guns, stick to your beliefs, stick to that, in the long run, you'll be able to actually have a client base where I can safely say for the past, pretty much close to two years now, I've not got one person on my books that I don't want to coach. Which I could probably safely say that most of the coaches listening to this are out there, can't say that. I definitely wasn't there, hadn't been for a long time. There was always that 10 or 20%. Of me like, Oh my God, really? Mrs. Havercamp again. Farrah. Coming out again to do the same thing over and over again. <laughs> you know, and like, so I guess the first thing there is if there was a coach starting out and wanting to do that and is feeling those same kind of ways that I was then is to say, the first thing is you got to dive into your own core values and beliefs of, of who you are as a coach and why you do what you do, what you think you're best at, what you really don't want to do. Like, you know, for me it was um, as much as I I really do appreciate and understand and have studied and know so much about a lot of the guys that do the online stuff and, you know, I'm looking at that going, I've got a young family and I need, I want a life outside of golf coaching as well um, and being available 24-7 to elite level players, of which I was one and was doing this to my coach, sending messages at 10 o'clock at night and stuff and going, no, bugger that shit. I don't, that doesn't attract me anymore. Um, So with that, you know, I have a, I had to dive in big time into my own, you know, beliefs about what it is I wanted to do and who I didn't want to coach and why and how. And once I come through that, it then became much clearer and easier for me to identify those people that I wanted to work with. And in the short term, yes, I could have taken the money um, there was a couple of times I did and I look back, I that was just so daft. I shouldn't have done that, but you know, you learn. Um, and now I've actually, this is quite a scary proposition for a lot of coaches, but the day you fire a client is one of the most, um, rewarding times you can have as a coach because you just get to this point and it's, it's basically say, listen, you know, what we signed on for here, this deal, even handing back their money and go, here. sorry, this is just not, we're just not right. You know, we, you, you told me you were going to do this, this, and this, and we have given you two to three chances to come and do this, to turn up to the training, to to post your stats, to do all this stuff, and you're just not doing it. And I'm sorry, but it's just not going to work out for us, you know. Here's the, here's the name of three other guys you could go and see if you want to keep doing what you're doing because there's still so many guys that will happily do that. But um, that's not for me anymore. And then um, it's easier as you get older. But I'll tell you what, if you can do this early on as a young coach, geez, you'll have so much more enjoyment, so much more of a life, and you'll make some fantastic money too because the people that will come and see you and you're passionate about, they will be happy to um, pay whatever to get the result that you're getting for them. You know, I've I've learned that as well as that, you know, business in general, life in general, If you're going to make money out of doing anything, all you're doing is solving a problem for someone and getting paid for it. So the problem that I know I can solve for people better than probably just about anyone is someone shooting over 90 who's frustrated as bugger, who's stuck, who's been busting their backside off, but hasn't improved the scores, and that's a priority. You're my person. I can help you there big time. I have the evidence. I've been doing it for ages. I've had the experience doing this. I'm going to do that. So I doubled down on that. I'm going, right, this is what I... I focus on, and um, if you're not in that, if you're an elite level player and you want to go to college in the US and you want to go on the tour, been there, done that. I'll, I'll guide you, but I'm not going to be the guy that's turning up all day, every day for you like you need. Here's uh, Richard Woodhouse, who's absolutely amazing at yeah, and loves it and does it really, really well. You know, so I guess it's just becoming uh, more self-aware to begin with. So yeah, you have to dive into the. Beliefs and your values, and then from there you can start to work out,
0: and it becomes easier to say no. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now you brought up someone in that in that answer there that he's coming on the podcast shortly, Mister Robbins. Um, tell, yes, me how, no, you, awesome. tell me how you tell me how you how you came across him and where that is taking you. Now
1: speaking of Will Robbins, yeah, so he's obviously the head of Rgx, but basically, I came across him in another podcast. Um, because I started getting my education while I was driving in the car for half an hour to work and back again. But that's the time that I can actually get some education up. So I listen to podcasts and he came up on one and it started resonating with me. Um, cause he is a big one of this very, very similar mindset. He's my mentor. uh, um, and I'm still working with him to this day. But the biggest thing was that, um, he, I had a conversation with him. I got on a phone call after listening on the podcast a bunch of times going, man, this guy sounds like he's of a similar mindset to me. That at some, He was really pissed off that he wasn't getting the on-course results for the players, but he was still giving them the lessons. So this is a dozen years ago, whatever he did this, but he it resonated with me because where I was at the time was exactly like I've described before. I'm giving these lessons. People are paying me money. I'm fixing their golf swings. I'm fixing the driver. drive and their scores aren't changing they're still angry and pissed off and it's because they're never i'm never out in the golf course seeing them and and it doesn't make sense and i think this is an analogy that will gave to me which just went ding he says it's the equivalent of a football coach turning up on tuesday afternoon at five o'clock to train the team hasn't watched the game sits down and asks them all for the first 15 minutes what are we working on today what was the problem the players are just gonna bitch and moan about the bloody umpires and oh no, I just need to work on my goal kicking, that's it. Whereas what actually happened, this guy never ran to support and didn't do a tackle here and didn't do that. So that's basically what we were doing is golf. That's I'm going, that's exactly what's going on. How am I ever meant to actually know what's going on in someone's golf game unless I see him play golf? You know, and he he's been doing that for a long time. And and then he basically said to me, so, well, you pretty much go sit in and ask yourself what it is you truly enjoy doing, what you want to do. And I did like, enjoy helping people, getting them results, but what was I was currently doing wasn't working anywhere near as well as I thought it should be, and he was a guy who's been doing it for a long time and has been helping other coaches to go and do that. I went, right, i got to get on board with this guy. So I rang him and then it took me about six months to kind of change everything, and I rang him back and said, mate, I'm out, I'm in let's go, let's get on the course, teach me how to do it. What do I need to be doing? And the other good part was because he'd been doing it for so long, he could share a lot of the, you know, the structure to how to coach, you know, a group of players together in a team environment, but still give them individual um, plans and instruction. So you end up with this great team environment where everyone's driving each other and he's been doing that for so long he could help me do that, which is not something I'd really thought of before and done much of that. So I've been doing that for a long time now, and then also just a little more of the structure about how to coach on the golf course, like you know how to take a group of four people out and really help them with the parts of the game they need out there. Not playing golf with them, but actually really coaching them out there um, and setting up those games that they can play where they can self-discover for themselves. So yeah, he's been a, I I can't. I, I owe so much of my position now to where uh, to him for his guidance on that. But I would say there, the biggest thing is to have the accountability of a coach again, but to do with my business of how to be a better coach, not necessarily how to fix someone's golf game, but more how to actually get a life back, how to make some decent money out of coaching and also get much better and faster results for your players and identify you know, what kinds of players that you actually really enjoy doing. What do you enjoy doing? Yeah, so Will helps a lot of people all over the world with that, and I'm helping him out with that. I'm mentoring a lot of coaches as well, help facilitating a lot of his programs now. And I guess for me, I've been a PGA committee member for a long time, for, I don't know, probably eight, nine years, and I've always given back to the PGA because I've always wanted to make sure that PGA members were actually getting what they were worth. And so I've been volunteering a lot of that time and effort into that. So I guess... This has probably been, you know, and I, I've got a lot of experience from doing that now. It's like, I can actually help other golf coaches. Yeah. They'll pay me for that help, but man, their business goes bananas because of it. And, and I'm doing that with a lot of guys all over the world and, you know, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, but especially the US, all over the US and Canada and, um, golfers are golfers and golf coaches are golf coaches and we all have the same problems. <laughs> um, but being in a part of a, a community of like-minded golf coaches to be able to bounce these ideas. Hey, I'm having a problem with these three guys. I couldn't work it out, and then you go and put that out there in the community, and four other coaches give all these ideas. You're like, wow, that's really going to work. You go and try it. Oh, that's fantastic! Look at the result I just got. Never even thought of it. So, sharing these ideas um, for me has been a big part of um, joining them with Will, and I can't recommend anyone highly enough to be a part of of that. And if you're a golf coach that you know is looking at the either wanting to make more money, get more time back, or get better results for your clients quicker. Those three things are the main things we focus on. So.
0: Yeah, no, he's certainly coming on the podcast shortly, once I can schedule a time with him and get him... Get he's him a busy him. man. He is, he's <laughs> a hard man to get a hold of, and I've been a bit slack in getting back to him as well, so we, we are, so I'm certainly chasing him down. Um, you said you were doing some of that stuff with some Australian golf coaches. How do you find the pushback from Australian coaches about that changes? Because I hear it all the time. People say, well, that's fine in, in the States or in Europe, but that type of stuff yeah. isn't going to work here in Australia. <laughs> How do you deal with that pushback?
1: I basically say bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the point. That's good. Well, one of the things was um, when I first started with Will and we were on these group calls, I was getting up at 2 and 3 in the morning to get on these calls in the U.S. and and things like that. And uh, he had coaches in China and uh, the U.K., Germany, um, the U.S. were the main ones that I was kind of sitting on these calls with to begin with, most of them in the U.S., and it is a different mindset of the culture and the people. There's no doubt about that. But I, I sat in on these calls and, and Will kept saying, you know, I know it's different in Australia. I know it's different in the UK. But, you know, like – and eventually I just kept listening to what he was saying and what was going on. Eventually he had to say to him, I said, well, I got off the call. I just can you hang on for a minute? Said, yeah. I said, that's complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's exactly the same. I said, all the pain points you're talking about, golfers are golfers. The golf industry is pretty much the same. Golfers suck at golf generally. They want to get better. They're stuck. They don't know how. They need someone to help them. Well, that's when a golf coach comes in. And then it's our job to go and help them do that. And if they get the result, charge accordingly. Thanks very much. You're solving a problem for those clients. I said, it doesn't change. There might be subtle little differences, but the core of it is exactly the same. And so on that, we decided, Will came to me and said, Hey, let's, what are the coaches in Australia that do that? And during COVID, when it first hit in March last year, say, yeah, everything's locked down everywhere, um, Will was doing these free calls for any coach who want to listen. And I said, "Well, could you do something in our time zone? So we decided to do something in the mornings and a whole bunch of Aussie coaches jumped in on these and tons of them went and took this information. And pretty much Will was giving away almost everything we're doing anyway for free in this stuff. And basically just go and implement it. Go and do it. Go and, you know, how can you still build – customer relationships, client relationships while you don't get to see them in real life. And then a bunch of coaches decided, hey, I want to do more of this and they wanted the accountability. So there was a good, I don't know, maybe a dozen over the last year or so from Australia that have come through and done it and they've all had these these great successes in. And success looks different for all of them, but um, it does work here. And the biggest difference though is it's like – the thing I'd say to those coaches, and Will reminds me of this regularly, and I do see this regularly, is um, coaching coaches is exactly the same as coaching pupils, you know, students, golfers. You want them, you know, you've got the expertise to basically make them aware of where they currently are. Here's your goal. This is how you're going to get there, right? It's exactly the same for anyone in any walk of life. That's You're coaching people. Golf happens to be the topic. We're coaching coaches on how to actually deliver better programs, how to actually do it in a way that's going to give you much better results and much better value for money for your players. And it can be done if you put the work in. And I'll say to a lot of these coaches, if you don't put the work in, you don't go and do it, it's exactly the same as what your clients are doing when they don't go and practice in between times. Nothing changes. You can stay where you are. You know, well, that's your choice. So, yeah, if it's not rocket science. And quite literally, what we do at RGX, what Will's done, he's given away for free. In, If anyone wants to go to the PGA website in Australia, they can go and have a look at the training. There's free episodes in there. You go and follow everything in there and go and do it, and you'll get what all the coaches we're currently coaching in the US are doing, and you'll get the results. It'll happen. The biggest difference, going and doing it, the accountability. So I'm a big one that knowledge is nothing without implementation so what we offer as coaches like we offer to you know what we offer coaches as mentors of coaches is the same as what you offer your clients is i'm going to make sure you turn up each week your teammates are going to hold you accountable as well and then if you commit for three months and you've turned up every week and you've done your stats and you've done your practice in your own time you've played we've reviewed it when you come along we've changed things you've done it again and then you've built these habits over three months you are going to be a different person. Forget about golf. You're going to be different. Your business as a golf coach will transform if you do these real basic fundamental things. And the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle is that mindset, first and foremost, of not being in that kind of servant mentality of that we all have been for a long time in the industry and being a leader of your client, of your player and go, Hey, This is what you actually need. This is what I think it looks like. You can sign on or you can leave it, but to have the balls to do that, given the way we've all been taught and definitely what I've been through and a lot of coaches have to go through first, change that mindset first. Everything else is easy. The actual implementation of the programs and things, how that looks, that's not that hard at all. But it's actually changing that mindset shift to not accept the lesson just for the money, to not. Um, to sack a player, to sack a client because they're just not doing what they said they were going um, to do. To be able to say, right, this is what I truly believe you need and if you don't like that and you want to do something, that's okay. I'm just not your guy. You know, to be able to go and do that um, does take a big mindset shift and you've got to know why you're doing it, but it does pay off. I've I've seen enough of it now from enough coaches to know that if you go and do that, it will pay off big time, either with more time back if you're really busy getting time back. For the rest of your life, or getting more people in your diary, or getting just better results with better clients, you know that you actually want to wake up and go and work with you know. So it's yeah, it's it can be there, it can be done, um, but good. it does take a mindset shift for sure.
0: No, it makes makes complete sense. Um, I've got a few questions I like to throw to each person that comes on the show, so I'm going to throw a fast five at you to finish off today. Um, so you've covered so much you've covered so many tips out there for coaches it's just in general but if you had a young coach turn up to you on a for you, he's only just started out what's that first tip you, you would give that coach starting out
1: go and learn how to listen properly and listening isn't just shutting up it's actually yeah listening with your two ears and you've got one mouth but the mouth is still there proper listening is asking good questions and knowing when to ask them and why So a big belief is, like, the player in front of you has the answers. We've got to try and drag it out of them. And you do that through good good listening, good questioning. Um, Set up learning environments and don't try to fix people. Let them discover for themselves what they need to do in their way to get the result you're looking for. So learn how to do that. Um, Extremely hard hard to do. (laughs) It's really hard to do. It's not something, as much as I love the PGA, it's not something that's probably as well-taught as it needs to be amongst any PGA. I know the US PGA doesn't do this anywhere near as well either. And it's the only reason something like RGX is actually in business is because, you know, there is a, a gap there. But proper, true listening to that person in front of you allows you to build a trust because any person coming to see you for a lesson is stuck. They're at a pain point. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't be coming to see you. There's not a chance in hell they'd pay $120 to come for a lesson if they weren't really bothered by it. That's someone who is like, I'm so pissed off with what I'm doing that I need help. But with any transaction, there's always risk, right? So that person's coming to you and, oh, what if I pay them $120 and it doesn't work? Or like my program, what if I pay them like $1,500 for 10 shots less and it doesn't actually work? You've got to build trust first, and and how you're going to do that is to actually go to their side of the bridge. We talk about a bit by really showing them that you're truly hearing where they're from. Well, what by asking really good questions and going, mate, you sound like you're you're really depressed and angry, and you're about to give this game up, and, and you feel like it's because it's bad T shots, and you, it seems like you know you just you really are ready to quit. And like, yeah, yeah, I really am. Okay, well, yeah, you know, so you're really diving in and really listening to build that trust up. And then you've got to show someone, hey, I, there is a better way. We, we can do this, we can try it this way. Come along on this journey. And then if you can kind of guarantee a result for someone of some description, if I do 10 shots, lower guaranteed, but it could be, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to feel comfortable on the golf course after six weeks of my getting a golf program. You're not going to feel like you make a fool of yourself because you're at least going to be hitting the ball. And it's going to be going that way instead of still down at your feet after five attempts, you know, and you can say, I will get you there. And then the other thing, not being afraid to actually be okay with it, maybe taking longer than six weeks. If someone doesn't get there, you sit there and go, you know what? Just keep coming and joining my group coaching programs. Doesn't matter if there's another one person there to go, hey, it's all right. I'm going to get you there. If you just, I guess, the beginning coach, listen to the person in front of you, find out what their real problems are, and then give them the best solution that you know how, at that point in time, you'll think know, you'll be fine with the number one priority is I'm going to get you this result. I'm going to try everything I can to get this result for you and you will be fine. You'll be a great coach. So I guess that's probably the biggest thing. Listening first, how to help people make changes. Like I'll quote Carl Morris again there was um, we're not golf coaches, we're agents of change because they're stuck, they're at a certain point, they don't want to be there anymore, they need to make some changes. So you have to study how to help people make changes. So that would be my biggest thing.
0: That's cool. How about golfers out there? Some The first piece of advice you give to golfers out there? Get
1: coaching right from the work, go. <laughs> I think there's just a bit everyone I've ever heard has ever got golf coaching and then transformed and come out the other side of that and go, on. I wish I did this 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. You can just go and ask around at a golf club, ask anyone, and those that have got coaching have improved more and quicker and have more enjoyment. And so with that, you know, that sounds like the, the, what is it, you don't ever go and ask a hairdresser whether you need a haircut? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> you sure don't, don't. ask a
1: golf pro <laughs> do you need a coaching. But it's the only reason I'm actually where I am now is because my parents actually got me coaching from the pro at the golf course within the first probably six weeks of me starting the game. And then I went away and worked on it, you know. So uh, one other thing there. The reason I say a golf coach more than anything is they're your filter. Because if they've listened to you, they now know about all your pains. Like I don't ask someone, do you have any physical ailments anymore? I need to know about Okay, Just give me a list. What do you got? Cause like everyone, except if they're 18's got a bunch of things going on, a busted shoulder, a done knee. I can't, I've got diabetes. I can't like. So if you're truly listening, you're going to hear that. So as an amateur, as a, as a golfer, if a coach isn't down through all that with you, they're not really trying to get to know you and what your problem is. And if you've ever not been on the golf course with your swing instructor, get them on the golf course. Every one of them will go and do it, but they've been waiting for you to say, come on out of the golf course. Like That's probably the biggest thing. It's not the golf pro's fault. You've never asked for it. And it might be quite expensive in a lot of ways, but I would suggest to a lot of golf pros, they can look at that in a different way. Uh, like I'm doing, you know, same as the way our lesson price. there's three other people out there, but, hey, I want you to be nervous in front of them because that's what happens on a Saturday when you're playing with these new people. So there's a lot of different mindset shifts like that, but I think that that's probably the biggest thing is to have that trusted advisor, that filter for all the rubbish that you go through from your mates, from the internet and all that. I get all my education from the internet now, right? We're doing it right now. But... The, the problem with the internet, problem with YouTube, is it's basically saying to someone who's a little bit sick, "Here's the keys to the chemist, and they're going to help yourself." You'd be right. <laughs> with no chemist, there's the filter in between. You go, "Whoa! You take three of them, you're dead tomorrow." Just back it up, buddy. Come over here. This over here is your length. That's what you need. You know. So that's how I would use it. If you're an amateur, that's what you should be using <laughs> your golf coach for.
0: You I listen like that to a lot, them, you know, like that.
1: So yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that, that's really cool. I certainly like that, that chemist one. I'm going to steal that and I'll, use that myself. I'm not going to tell you
1: that that was mine. I stole that from Laura Patrick. You probably stole it from someone else. <laughs> no, one that's the a- coaches in the US, I've gone, I'm stealing that. I, I, it, <laughs> I put it into my R&D department, my rip-off and deploy
0: department. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, is there... Changes to your life that you would have made, or choices that you've done over your over your journey, apart from um, getting that credit card up to this highest level when you're playing Chopo Tour, is there anything <laughs> that you would change? Ah, uh, yes. I'm not going to tell
1: you. Yeah, because I live a life with no regrets. I think it's complete bullshit. I think everyone will have some regrets at some way, shape, or form. It's how you react on. Um, I wanted to be a player. I'm not going to tell you. I wanted to be on the US Tour, and I wanted to be playing right now on the US Tour at 44. Um, so regrets, yep, I probably didn't listen to some very good advice about what to practice and how to practice. Like, you know, they talk about the 10,000-hour rule to become a master at anything. It's complete rubbish. It's been taken the wrong way most of the time. It's not 10,000 hours. It's what you do in those 10,000 hours. It's the purposeful practice for 10,000 hours. I put in 10,000 hours like probably just about every other golf pro wanted to be a tour player on the US tour and win majors but didn't get there. And I dare say a lot of them would be the same. Um, I put in that amount of time. Did I put it in the right areas? I put it in a lot of the right areas, which helped me become a golf pro and I played on a tour, but I didn't get to where I really wanted to be and that was probably because when I look back now, I did spend a big chunk of my time trying to get a perfect swing as opposed to effective results that produce lower scores and i also had the belief that um, i needed to play lights out every single game to be able to win and i just know that's just not even close to the case anymore you know, to win a four-round tournament tournament you got to be the tortoise not the hare, most of the time and then hopefully grow some legs in that last nine holes but be the tortoise right up until that point you know what i mean like mm. um and i just probably didn't take that on board it's not that it wasn't out there, it's not that I didn't know it, I just didn't take it on board, I didn't really do it. So that would be one. Um, outside of that, I would say not doing what I'm now doing in terms of coaching sooner. Um, so I spent probably a good four to five years trying to fix people's golf swings and doing that in a place I didn't really enjoy too much. Um, and now I, mate, I can be
0: happier with what I'm doing now and where it's going. It's just the start. so No, which is great, which kind of heads down to the next question. Where do you see yourself and coaching in five years' time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I actually got challenged that one by Will the other day because I set these goals um, probably three years ago um, to hit $100,000 in revenue in coaching, and it turns out I did that um, a few months back. And he said, have you checked your goals that we set? Because I was pretty much 35,000 and being available for six days a week. So I basically had nothing to show for all the work I was doing and it was like it was just miserable. So anyway, I transformed all that. And now I sit here and I look and, oh, shit, I've hit that goal. Like, I'm, I'm there. Fantastic. And then he said to me, he said, well, are you stopping? And I went, man, that's just like the tip of the iceberg now. I can see that, well, that's a revenue goal of mine. The thing that happened was I went from six days a week availability to three and a half. But still managed to triple my income by having very good guidance, and this is probably tying back into what I just said before. Was I didn't listen to some coaches that gave me some great advice when I was playing, and I should have done it, and I should have committed to it. So the difference with Will is I've basically said no. Whatever he tells me, he thinks is the best thing for me to go and do. And not just him. I've had three or four other really great mentors. Jay Cook's another one. Going and go full on and go actually go and do it. Just shut up. Bite my tongue, take it what I think and just put it on the side for a bit. I can always come back to it if it doesn't work. But I've gone and done that. And so now I'm at this point where I can sit there and go, I think I can help other coaches because I've really enjoyed doing that over the last few years with Will and and RGX. And then I think I'm probably going to do that a fair bit, but I still will not leave what I'm doing. One thing that I won't do is I probably won't be doing – people who come to see Paul Williamson for coaching – it's part of a 10 shots lower program. It's part of my getting a golf program. You come into my Saturday social groups that I'm growing. That's it. That's pretty much all I'm going to be involved in. Um, you know, maybe there's coaches working for me doing other things and growing that, but if I'm turning up to do coaching, I only want people I really enjoy coaching, those that are putting in and doing all that. And I'm probably getting to that point now where I can do that, but I probably need a couple more years to say, yes, I'm there and I'm doing it like that. Um, but really, I, I'm really wanting to enjoy my life with my family as well and my kids are starting to play sport now at 12 and 10 and I just want to – I'm loving – I want to – I don't want to work Saturdays. How's that? Yeah. So that's my goal. I, I want to actually go – I'll go Monday to Friday and have weekends off with my family and and have you know, – I'd love to have probably – my goal is 10 weeks of holidays a year as well, take the school holidays. That's pretty lofty but, you know, to me that's – I know that I'm going to then turn up on days when I am coaching and helping other coaches, and I'm going to really enjoy that, and I'm going to be fresh and ready if I can do that in the rest of my life. So it's I probably like it. finding that balance like that.
0: Yeah. I like it a lot. Sounds sounds really cool. So you said you're a you're a, a podcast person. Um, is there any other sources of training or places you go for information? Um, the one that I was listening to with Will was Golf
1: the Life of he, he. There's a backlog there of. It's basically it's um, a podcast for golf coaches. Um, so I probably listened to that for a couple of years and then he's still putting them out maybe once a month now. So he's interviewing some of the best coaches in the world about the business think. of being a better golf coach, not how to teach someone to play better golf, but no, how can you um, get more time, money, all that kind of stuff. So that's a really good one. I would listen to a lot of that. Um, golf Science Lab, which is Corey Walker. I've really enjoyed what he's been doing. Um, but outside of that, um, uh, probably the Mind Factor Carl Morris has been one and Adam Young's podcast so there's the golfing related ones outside of that I would say to any coach get out of that particularly with business I listen to a super fast business which is James Shranker, an Australian um, uh, business coach I guess he'd probably describe himself as um, I listen to a lot of Jay Abraham's stuff who's a marketing kind of guy as well Um uh, bit of Tony Robbins as well I'm basically listening to a lot of audio books. Um, and the vast majority of my education now comes from that side of things, I would say, because you know, I was saying before about a young coach, go and learn how to listen. You now I'm listening to, um, Chris Voss, who's an F- FBI negotiator, his book about, you know, never split the difference, which is, you know, how to negotiate like your life depended on it. Cause every single day we go to, coach someone and help them make changes you're negotiating with them all the time. Uh, you're negotiating with your facility, you're negotiating with your family around your time. You like so that was that's a fantastic book. Um and I listen to a lot of that. And so yeah, uh, things about you know, atomic habits like um James Queer, loving that because I'm a big one for probably not following up on things as well as I should be. So I'm always constantly working on trying to get better at that. And, So yeah, I guess there's some books and some podcasts that, that I love, but pretty much my wife, she loves reading, um, fiction books and so do my daughters. And I just don't do that. I'm always (laughs) looking for what am I going to learn from something? You'll learn something from these books. I know, but like, I want, I want more direct stuff (laughs) like that. So I do, I don't have time to read, but I definitely listen to podcasts in the car. So I kind of, this is something from, um, some of my mates that, Actually came from traveling around on the Tropo tour where you'd play a morning round of golf from seven till 12 ish, you know, have lunch. And then you got to drive from Townsville to Mackay for four hours to go to the next venue. And that would happen all over. And it was like, this is, I've, I've listened to every single CD in my collection a hundred times over. (laughs) I'm sick of this. You know, what can I do? So it was get at that point, it was getting CD collections together, but now it'd be podcasts and and i just even just 15 minutes to work now i listen i listen to a podcast on double speed so i can get a half hour podcast
0: through right. <laughs> awesome that's cool yes yeah, well so. well mate thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it. it's been an awesome conversation um we could go on for hours i'm sure i know just-
1: i did tell you that didn't i like yeah don't put a microphone in front
0: of me brent no well mate we'll just we'll just do part 2 part 3 part 4 part 5 <laughs> All the time as we go along, if I'm hard up for someone to talk to, I'll give you a call and say, Come and have a chat with me again. It shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, mate, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find you if they're looking to hunt you down?
1: Um, it's just paulinimpsengolf.com. Um, I've got a, a page there that's got my various different products. If you're looking for, um, you know, golf coaching on the Gold Coast, I do remote coaching, um, probably not lessons as such, but I use Coach Now as a communication platform tool where I can do all the video stuff but I tend to use it more I've got clients that live three four five hours away and overseas even um, that use the scoring method which is basically a whole bunch of you know kind of workbooks and cards that they fill out and as long as they're doing that they' get them to put in a little video recording once a week and I'll say I'll respond to that within 24 hours uh, just with my thoughts on what you need to go and work on I've seen your stats I know what that looks like so I can do that as well um but then if there's coaches out there who want to contact me you can you can basically just go through the same channels but it's it's p williamson at pgamember.org.au send me an email if they want any more information about rgx and 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 basically how to become a better business of being a golf coach then i'm more than happy to have a chat um, with any of them about that Um, anywhere in the world we can do that and so Yeah, that's
0: probably it. Just punch in com and my details come up in there anyway. So, Awesome, mate. I will put some links into the show notes so everybody can can find you and get in touch if they need to. But, again, mate, appreciate you coming and having a chat. Awesome conversation. And um, we'll certainly catch up again really soon.
1: Mate, I love it, Brent. Thanks for having me on and thanks to all the coaches for listening.